Welcome to Astoria Apothecary, a podcast filled with medicinal and healing stories. My name is Nana Tomova, and I'm a storyteller and a pharmacist, and stories and medicines which I dispense. In this podcast, you will find my prescriptions of stories for the body, mind, heart and soul. So I invite you to join me as we enter the healing world of stories together. Hello, and a very happy new year. Welcome to the Story Apothecary, whether it's for the first time or whether you're a regular here. I'm so glad you could join me for the first episode of 2022. Well, I don't know about you, but New Year's... Hmm, I like this one. I am filled with hope and some reflection. I had a fairly quiet New Year's of celebration with lots of different customs like making the banneter with the with the different cosmeti inside the different uh, fortunes like health and love and wisdom and happiness and uh, abundance and travel and all sorts of things wrapped up, written on a piece of paper, wrapped up in foil and then put in the banneter which is a traditional Bulgarian filo pastry um, and sirene, a feta cheese delicacy. It's a bit like burek, but slightly different. Um, old, old custom, thousands of years old. And yeah, a bit of magic. So I got all the best ones for me, <laughs> which is great. And here we are in January. It's been dark and gloomy, but... I've kind of made myself go for a few nature walks nonetheless, which have been so helpful. And today the sun is shining and it's beautiful. Oh, and this full moon today, um, as I'm recording this, is the 17th of January and it's the wolf moon tonight. And I got to see it rise yesterday at about 3pm as I was walking. The sun was setting at about half three and the moon was rising to the east as the sun was heading to the west and it was just glorious. So wonderful. I want to wish you many 
sunsets, moon rises, or sunrises for that matter, for the year ahead. Much love and happiness. Enjoy in simple moments. And may you spend lots of time with the ones that you love. These are my wishes for you for the new year. I hope you have a wonderful one. So I'm very happy you're here. Um, I'm really excited about the story of today. It's a story of Baba Yaga and the Seven Orphans. And I love Baba Yaga stories, as I'm sure many of you do. Um, I grew up with them. And when I grew up with them, Baba Yaga stories were uh, scary. Very, very scary. She was the children-eating witch uh, of the dark forest. Well, she was presented that way. But as I've grown up, matured, gotten to know different depths and different ways, uh, I have become so respectful and in awe of Baba Yaga, what she represents and the wisdom that she gifts. So this story I haven't seen available in English as yet. It's one of the stories that I found um, in my Bulgarian Baba Yaga book. I hope you like it. My patrons picked the choice for this month's story. And uh, a very warm hello and shout out to my wonderful patrons, Marissa, Alison, Ali and Hayat, for joining the community very recently. Thank you for your support, for your community. I've read the village I am very slowly trying to build at the Story Apothecary community. And I am going to be working on the Story Apothecary community offerings over the next few months with a bit of a launch, hopefully, towards the middle of the year. Um, and I'm really excited about where it's going. So I'll keep you updated and tell you and tell you of my journeys. If you're in the area of Sussex or the south of England, then I have released all my dates for the story walks for 2022. They were featured in The Guardian a year ago and in Coast Magazine six months ago. And people who come tell me how wonderful it is to have this space filled with magic and wonder. A little bit of time to appreciate what's going on around them, while at the same time going to different worlds filled with stories and poetry and how magical they are. I hope to see you for one in the next coming months. And I think now it's story time. This Babiaga story, it speaks for itself and I'll say a little about it towards the end. But with any story, there is an underlayer of meaning behind, underneath. You've got to look to find it. 
hope you enjoy it. It is gloriously dark and wise and beautiful. A little bit frightening, as expected, but also so, so good. Enjoy Baba Yaga and the Seven Orphans. Once upon a time, there lived a husband and a wife in a little hut. And the little hut was at the edge of a river. And behind the river, there was a thick, dark forest. The husband and wife had seven children. One boy and six girls. And the boy, who was the youngest of all siblings, no more than seven summers old. But their mother and father, they grew old, and with old age came illness. And they died. And the seven children, where they were left orphans, with no one to look after them alone. What are we going to do now? asked the boy. Oldest girl replied, we're going to slaughter the hens and we'll eat them. And this is what they did. They slaughtered the hens one after another after another. They ate them. Then they slaughtered the ram and they ate it. They slaughtered the bull and they ate it. In the neighbouring area, they ate everything alive that could be eaten. Only one shaggy little dog was left. And now what are we going to eat? asked the brother. Make a raft from reeds, said the sisters. You will go fishing. You will take us to the other side of the river, where the dark forest is and we'll gather wild strawberries and mushrooms. And the boy, he made a raft from reeds. He gathered them, and he weaved them together, and a beautiful raft was formed. On the first day, he took the eldest sister, for the raft could only carry two. And she went to the forest, and walked through the dark beeches and the dark oaks and the silver birches. A slender as wide-haired maiden swayed in the wind as she passed through, step after step in the soft floor. She knew where to go. She followed the buzzing of the bees and came back home with wild honey. That night, they feasted on the sweet, 
and they licked their fingers greedily. It had been a long time since they tasted that sweet nectar. It seemed like dripping golden sunlight. On the second day, the boy took the, the second sister on the other side of the river into the dark forest, and she walked all day as the trees and the ferns whispered their secrets behind her back. As the birds made their calls, as the forest came alive, she walked under the trees, she parted the grasses, she made her way under a big walnut tree, and as she climbed it and shook it, she ended up home with a whole sack of walnuts. On the third day, the boy took his third sister into the woods where she walked in the soft moss, knelt on the moist earth, and there where she parted the grasses and moved back the dead leaves, she uncovered the mushrooms, and one by one by one she picked a whole basket of mushrooms which she carried home for dinner. On the fourth day, the boy took his fourth sister and she gathered her basket full of wild strawberries, which tasted like summer. On the fifth day, the younger sister walked among the trees and there she peeled that fibrous material like raffia from the silver birches and the linden tree, and they used it for tying up food. And then it was a sixth sister's turn, the youngest one. Her brother took her to the other side of the river, and all day she walked. She walked east and west, north and south, but she did not find anything. Not mushrooms, not strawberries, not honey, not even walnuts, not apples. She found nothing. She saw nothing. She heard nothing. As she walked further, teary-eyed that she could not find anything, that she would come home empty-handed. In the distance she saw a hut, a wooden hut, in the middle of the forest. It was perhaps unusual, but not too unusual. She couldn't tell. She couldn't tell what was different about it. As she approached it, the door seemed to creak by itself. Unusual. And in most stories, there would need to be a a saying, a word or two, a secret shared. This young girl did not know these. Perhaps 
Maybe fate. Maybe ancient knowledge. Let the door open the creek. And as she made her way in, as she walked over that threshold, she saw a woman. An old, old woman. A baba. On top of the stove. Whistling with her nose, chattering with her teeth, swatting the flies with her long ears. The girl looked. The girl did not recognise who this old woman was, for it was, as you know, Baba Yaga. And the old woman asked, where do you come from, treasure of mine? And the young girl told her her story. They lived on the other side of the riverbank, just with her brother and her five sisters. Her mother and her father had died. Baba Yaga's stomach rumbled, a low grumble, mm, she thought. I want to eat you. But then she thought of the other six. A good meal is worth waiting for. I'll go at night. And all seven of them will find their way in my stomach. I'll satiate my hunger. And thus she made her plan. And then she turned to the girl and asked her, with a voice that echoed like the winds and grumbled like the thunder and went as deep as the roots of a thousand old oak tree. Aren't you afraid? Just the seven of you, all alone at night. Oh, we're afraid, said the girl, but there's nobody that would come to live with us, where nobody would come to visit us. There wasn't enough food even for just heaven of us. I'll come, said Baba Yaga. Oh, please, you're very welcome, said the girl. We will be so happy. Baba Yaga let the girl go. And she began to file her teeth sharp. Her big teeth with her big metal file. Or if you go into a forest and hear the screeching sound of metal, it is most likely to be Baba Yaga sharpening her teeth. She filed them well, sharpened them, so that they may crack through bone and tear through sinew. When the sun set, and darkness began to descend. At dusk, she went to the bank of the river and said, Lay yourself down, reeds. Lay down like a bridge so I may walk upon you and go on the other side of the river. And the reeds obeyed, and Baba Yaga walked upon them and crossed the river to the other side. But their little shaggy dog heard her. Afjaf, said the dog, 
crooked tooth one, if you step on this bank, I'll once bite your foot. Frightened Baba Yaga, and expectant, she went back home. On the following day, in the forest, she met the oldest of sisters. Your youngest sister, she said. She invited me to spend the night with you. But you have a very evil dog who frightens me. Tie his legs and then I will come. In the evening, the sisters tied the legs of the dog and put him in the grain house. Abiyagat once left, went to the river edge and said, Lay down wreaths, lay down like a bridge, so I may cross you to the other bank. And as she walked, there was a shaggy dove, dog, af jaff, cricket sighted one. If you stay on this verge, you'll be left without a nose. And this time, Babiaga became frightened and she went back home. The following day, she met the second sister. Why didn't you come and spend the night with her, said the sister. I wanted to come, but your evil dog frightened me. He said he'd bite off my nose, bung up his ears with peas, so they no longer hear me. And the sisters agreed, and they bunged up the ears of their little shaggy dog with peas, and he became deaf. Lay down reeds like a path and take me to the other side. The reeds fell down, made a bridge, and Baba Yaga walked over. As Baba Yaga put one foot on the bridge, the dog saw her. He hurled himself towards Baba Yaga, barking, Af jaff, crooked footed one, if you step on the bank, you'll be left without an arm. Once again, Baba Yaga went home frightened. The following day, she saw in the forest a third sister and told her, Your dog did not let me come once again. You must glue his eyes so that he does not see me when I come. Very well, Babble. This is what we do. Please just, just come and visit us. They glued the eyes of the dog with hot tar. It got dark. Baba Yaga went to the riverbank and said the words to the reeds and they bowed over like a bridge. When she went to the middle, the shaggy dog smelled rotten flesh and recognised Baba Yaga. He rolled to the riverbank and once again began to bark. Af Jaff, you awful one, do not bother to arrive and I'll bite both your ears. And this time again, Baba Yaga turned back. Frightened. She didn't want to be left without ears. And during the day, she met in the forest, the fourth sister. And she pleaded with her. You and this dog of yours, plug up his nostrils that he does not smell me. We'll plug them up, promised the girl. Evening fell. 
as the sun plunged into the waters of the earth to extinguish his fire. Thick mists and fogs enveloped the land. Babiaga came to the river bank. The reeds bowed over. She crossed over the bridge which bound her forest to the land of humans. And there she saw it again, the dog, its legs tied, its ears clogged up with fresh peas, his eyes glued with hot tar, his nostrils plugged with clay. He hears nothing, he sees nothing, he smells nothing. But as soon as Baba Yaga stepped on the riverbank, the whole ground shook and the dog felt her and he began to roll towards her barking Afjaf, crooked-backed one. If you step on this bank, I will crack your neck. Baba Yaga went backwards, back to her hut. During the day, she met the fifth sister and told her, put a bone inside the throat of your dog so he does not bark. We will, Babble. Please just come and spend the night with us. In the evening, the little dog lay by the fire. He sees nothing. He hears nothing. He smells nothing. A bone from his throat sticks out of his mouth. Babiago went through the bridge made of reeves on top of the river. She came to the house in the darkness. In the still of the night, she did not see the dog, and she trod on it. It yelped in pain and hit Baba Yaga with its tail. She, frightened, ran home once again. It came the turn of the smallest sister to go to the forest once again. She entered in the hut. Why, Babu, did you say? Why don't you come and visit us and spend the night? We're waiting for you. It is dark. We're frightened. Please come. Be our guest in the house. I would, treasure of mine. But your dog does not let me. Bury the dog. Bury the dog in a hole near the thrashing floor, and then I'll come. In the evening, the six sisters took the bound bundle of fur with a bone stick in its mouth. They dug a hole just enough to hold its small body. They put it deep in the dark earth with just its head sticking out, out of its mouth a bone. Its nostrils bunged up, its ears filled, its eyelids glued, buried deep, out of the way. And they left it there and waited eagerly for their visitor to arrive. Caballero crossed the river, went through the bridge, stepped on the thrashing floor, walked to the hut. The sisters 
overjoyed, ran to the door to open it with her brother. The brother sat on the stove and did not come down. He was feeling sad for the dog. Tears rolled down his cheeks. Baba Yaga came into the hut. Let's go to sleep, she said. The sisters went to sleep on their plank beds. Baba Yaga lay on a wooden divan. But the boy did not sleep. And it's silent. Breathing shallow. Listening. When the girls fell asleep, Baba Yaga, quietly, soft-footed as a wolf, went where they slept and began to swallow them one after one. She swallowed them all. She became round, engorged, full like a moon. And now, she said, I now have to eat the little brother. I think in my stomach I have just enough space for him. And she opened her mouth wide and began to climb limb after long limb on top of the stove like a spider. But the boy did not sleep. He waited there with a log, breathing just enough. Baba Yaga climbed the stove and he put the log inside her mouth and she could not close it. The second log he beat all her teeth out. Then he cut her stomach open and there his sister jumped out. All six of them having been eaten by Baba Yaga. In her stomach they might have stayed only for a short time. To them, it seemed an eternity. And here they are again, out into the air, alive but not the same. They want to dig out the dog where they had buried him deep in the earth. And he had taken a short time to bury him, but it took longer to unravel back the soil to pull him out and unbind him unglue the eyes they had glued unblock his ears free his voice unbind his limbs and there he was with voice able to run and be free once again and so he merrily barked, Afjaf, live without fear, I'll guard once again here. And so he did. And to this day, I believe he guards the house well. As for Baba Yaga, well, the tale ends here. But I can tell you, as she is immortal, she makes her way into another story.
story of Baba Yaga and the seven orphans. It's an uncomfortable story, a creepy story. It makes us maybe itch out of our skin, makes us feel unsettled. And so it should. It's a story to guide, one to teach. For me, it's a really poignant story of, of coming across something, the hut, before you're ready. With no elders, or no true elders. We may have parents and grandparents in our lives, but they may not be true elders knowing how to teach us, how to guide us in this life. And so we come across something in the deep, dark forest. Before we're ready, we come across the time to be initiated into something. Before we've been taught how. But Baba Yaga does not wait. Her hut is there, whether we're ready or not. And so one by one, the children, the six sisters, they bind the dog and its senses are subdued, hindered. It loses sight, it loses smell, it loses voice. It loses all senses, all intuition, all guidance until at the end they bury it deep within. Haven't we all done that at some point? That's for me why the story is so powerful. And Baba Yaga was a teacher, not a good woman, not a bad woman, a teacher, a complex being, a goddess of a liminal space between this world and the next. They describe her as ugly, with a big face and big ears, Big mouth, big breasts. But maybe these organs are proportionate to her senses. How much she hears, how much she smells. Her femininity. Her fierceness. There is so much, so much about Baba Yaga. Here is a very little bit about Baba Yaga herself. From one of Baba Yaga's calendars on Patreon. She has one skeleton leg or the bony leg she has dangling breasts that she dumps on the stove or hangs over a pole or hooks and a long sharp nose that knocks against the ceiling. And she flies around in a mortar, rowing herself through the air with a pestle, wiping her traces away with a broom. Some beliefs is that she was the great goddess 
the Earth Mother herself. Other believe that she was the Slavic goddess of death. A third that she was the mistress of all the birds, hence the hut on chicken's legs and the long nose like a beak. A fourth theory is that she was a rival of the goddess Mokosh, and that she evolved over time into the goddess of birds and snakes. She appears as a spinner and a weaver, things that always symbolise human destiny. She's also a warrior who sleeps with a sword over her head and fights against knights. In some tales, she can turn people into stone. In others, she has powers to command the force of nature, winds and tempest and thunder. She has been slandered terribly throughout the years, being cruel, ugly, misshapen, a hag with a crooked nose. We can see through those descriptions of ugly how actually powerful she is, powerful and wise due to her years. She is the death goddess, but of course death leads to new life and rebirth. It is thought that her womb, which is symbolised by the oven or the cave, which is always in the tales, comes rebirth. And then when life became linear and death was feared, the Baba Yaga was turned into a terrifying crone. And so I hope you've enjoyed January's story of Baba Yaga and the Seven Orphans. A story that goes deep, if we let it. I wish you as always a wonderful month. If you'd like to join the Story Apothecary community, you can find me on Patreon. At patreon forward slash Nana Thank you to Doing Feathers for the beautiful music. And I'll see you very soon. Thank you for joining me in the Story Apothecary for healing and medicinal stories. I hope we'll meet again. Until next time.